while I was working at the kennel. And I noticed that I was like spending a lot of time like laughing and smiling and feeling like warm and fuzzy and just like truly feeling joy. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm talking to one of my best friends, my college roommate, Catherine Gilmartin. Catherine and I met when we were 18, first semester freshman in college. We were both kind of quiet and shy. We were not really built for like the partying, super social college environment. And we really bonded over our shared love of having like two or three person dance parties in our in a dorm room. Um, our love of Yankee Candles, not a sponsor. Um, Famous Amos Chocolate Chip Cookies, also not a sponsor. And we started living together our sophomore year through our senior year. And we just, it was always our goal to make our room the most cozy and comforting place possible. So I spent three years, you know, with my bed like five feet from Catherine's bed in a room full of twinkle lights and candles, which we were not supposed to have, and soothing music. And we would just talk about life and love. And it was wonderful. And over the years, you know, like life has gotten busy. She lives in Connecticut. I live in New Jersey. There's been time and distance, but we really are like soul friends, I think. And, and I know that Catherine is someone that I can always call or text and she'll be there with her kindness and patience and compassion and open mind. She's such a good listener and she's not just a great friend to people. She's also a great friend to animals and dogs in particular. So when Catherine and I met in college, you know, it was a, as she talks about in today's conversation, it was a difficult time for her because she's she's since realized you know like that wasn't really the right path for her just a four-year liberal arts college was like the only path that was really presented and it was the one that all of her friends and the people in her town like that's the path everyone went on and anything else seemed like it was failure you know if you didn't get a degree from a four-year school but she you know so she so she went to school for psychology with the intention of becoming a counselor but she didn't feel so fulfilled or happy you know And eventually she realized she could actually combine her interest in working with people with her lifelong passion for dogs. So she has since started a pet sitting business, Dog's Best Friend, and she's about to become a certified dog trainer. Her ultimate goal is to train service dogs and tap into the magical relationship between dog and human. This is a, I think, a great conversation, not just for animal lovers and dog lovers, though I do think those of you out there who are, um, will really appreciate Catherine's wisdom about animals and, and working with dogs and what she's learned from working with dogs. But also for anyone who has struggled, and which I think is everyone, um, at times to feel like you're living an authentic life and that you have the freedom to pursue joy, whether that's through you know what you're getting paid to do or just in general in your life path. So I found this conversation very inspiring, and um, I hope you do too. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Victoria. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So I thought we could just dive in and start off by you telling everyone a little bit about 
what your life looks like. Okay, well, so I live in a suburb of Connecticut called New Canaan. I went to college with you, Victoria, <laughs> um, and that is where we met. We are co- we were college roommates. Um, I work with dogs for a living. Um, I live on my own, um, and I am a full-time pet sitter, and I also am an ass- assistant trainer who is working towards getting my certification so that I can move on to eventually becoming um, a service dog trainer. And so right now what my life looks like is pretty much um, constant watching other people's dogs um, pretty much from morning to night. And I stay at other people's houses. I'm never in my own house anymore. And I pretty much run around taking care of other people's dogs while um, going to private lessons with the trainer that I'm the assistant to and um, watching and partaking in lessons with other people's dogs. You have been an animal lover pretty much your whole life, right? So like when we when we're together and we're walking down the street, you pretty much can't get down a street without stopping to greet at least one dog or just however many dogs there are on the street at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. I I honestly feel that it's like ingrained in my DNA somewhere to love dogs, like specifically dogs. I do love all animals, but it's a dog thing and it always has been for me. Like ever since I was a baby, I would be like hanging out of my stroller trying to like pet the dogs as my mom walked me down the street. And it's just, I don't know, it's just who I am. And I finally embraced that and decided to run with it (laughs) because it's, uh, you know, a lot of people love dogs and like most people you ask will say they love dogs, but it's kind of like a different level (laughs) for me. (laughs) And so I feel like it was only right for me to, uh, make a living out of that kind of love. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so cool that there's something that you just inherently love that you just always have and that you can follow that now because I struggle to think of things that I have loved like my whole whole life like that and that's really cool but you never had a pet growing up right not really I had hamsters which doesn't really count (laughs) because they're um, they're cute but they're not they're not the same they're not very bright (laughs) um but yeah I've never had a cat or a dog still at age 28 I still have never had my own dog but one day I will yeah because you live in a uh, a condo where you're not allowed to have dogs right yes I've lived in the same house my whole life and it has a no dog rule so I've been bitter about that my entire life but I know that I'll make up for it <laughs> eventually <laughs> so what what it what do you think it is that you love so much about dogs in particular? Yeah, I'm going to try and think of how to word this properly without saying what everybody says about <laughs> how dogs give you unconditional love and all that. But I mean it it really is true. Um they just make me so happy. <laughs> they're just they're so pure and they're so simple. Like they as soon as you understand dogs, Um, like on a deeper level, which like it took me working with dogs for a while before I was able to read their body language. And, you know, I feel like I, I fully understand dogs now. You, they just are so 
I've thought about this a lot and I think that the reason why dogs are so lovable is because they're nonverbal <laughs> mm-hmm. because I'm able to love dogs in a way that I'm really not able to love any other humans, <laughs> um, even the ones that I love the most. And it's because I think like words really mess things up for us. Like words are great, but they also make it hard to love people sometimes <laughs> because it's complicated. But with dogs, they're nonverbal. So they just, I don't know, they're just this loving presence. It's just, it comes so naturally to me to be able to just unconditionally love a dog no matter what. And that's something that I don't feel um, towards really anything else (laughs) ever. Um, Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, there are people I know who are really deeply like sensitive caring people and also a little bit guarded who love animals a lot (laughs) Um, yeah and I feel like there's something about being I mean we're all afraid of vulnerability on some level to some degree but I feel like for people who find it difficult to open up to other people or trust them or like be really vulnerable um, animals give that that nonverbal, just pure love and companionship and affection. Do you identify with? I mean, you have a lot of really strong, beautiful friendships, and I feel like you're very open with me in our friendship. But do you identify with with being a little bit more guarded in general around people, or finding it difficult to? like trust people or open up to them. Yeah, I think that's extremely true um, for me, definitely, because even even in like my strongest relationships and yeah, I love all my friends and I, um, you know, I don't have a problem loving people or or feeling love towards people, but even in my closest relationships, even though I love all of those people very much, Um, it's hard for me even with them to be really like uninhibited in the way that I love them and the way that I am with them. That's just naturally who I am is I am a very kind of guarded and inhibited person, like even with my favorite people, um, like you're probably one of the only people that I've ever not felt that way with. (laughs) And, uh, with dogs, like they don't care, like they don't care if you fumble (laughs) like over your words or, um, like they just meet your love with just complete love back. And there's no, there's nothing unconditional about it. So I feel completely comfortable just being like as open and as loving and as, you know, free as I want to be. And, you know, they're thrilled with that. (laughs) And there's just a, like, there's a freedom to that because with people, I always worry about what what people are thinking or how they're perceiving me or all of that. And there's none of that with dogs. And I find that I'm able to just be really like happy and free and open and loving with them. And it it just works really well. Do you ever have times where a dog doesn't respond well to you and then you're like upset? (laughs) Um, That's happened to me once. Like I, 
I pride myself on my ability to make friends with any dog and I have not failed yet, but there was one dog at my old job that really didn't like me for a while. And I took it really personally, <laughs> like really, really personally, <laughs> but I eventually won him over. So, <laughs> and your old job yeah. was working at a kennel, right? Yes. So, um, the way I kind of approached this, um, change of path and working with dogs is I sort of picked an end point of where I wanted to end up, which was working with service dogs. And then I kind of thought, okay, what is the path that makes the most sense to get to that end point? What is going to like serve me the best and make me the best applicant possible for like the job that I want eventually. And I knew that that was going to have to start with just working somewhere that I could really get like hands-on experience working with dogs as much as humanly possible and just sort of doing like dirty work and just becoming comfortable with handling dogs and taking care of dogs and all of that. And so I got a job at a boarding and daycare kennel um, and I worked there for almost three years and um, I really loved it. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking about how animals and small children (laughs) like seem to reflect in my experience they reflect back to me the places where I'm stuck and like my issues particularly around fear and control because kind of like you were saying like you you don't have to be inhibited around animals like I think being like an anxious person I Mm -hmm. get nervous around such uninhibited (laughs) creatures like animals or small children like they're they're uninhibited they're curious they're playful they're exploratory and they get dirty they spread germs like you know they're not easy to control and that's like it's not something I'm proud of that that makes me tense and I'm like definitely working on that um but it's so interesting to me how they they reflect back to us like and pretty much immediately like our internal states, I think. So I'm curious, like having spent, when you started working at the kennel and started really spending so much time around dogs, did you notice anything about yourself or for you, is it more like the people that you were working with or like, I don't know, what did, what do dogs reflect back to you? Is it, maybe it's the opposite for you. Maybe it's more positive. A huge thing that has come from working with dogs is that especially if you're working with dogs that aren't like, you know, these perfect, like social, happy, whatever labs or whatever that will be happy no matter what you do. If you're working with a more difficult dog, it's extremely important that you be confident. (laughs) And like, Mm. um, as someone who knows me well, I think you would know that I am, that's the last thing that I am. (laughs) Uh, like truly the last thing that I am. I'm not confident at anything, um, except for this. And I had to learn that and I had to fake it at first and then it eventually became real. (laughs) But I, cause dogs are really, um, sensitive to like the energies of the people around them yeah and they will pick up on it if you're nervous if you're anxious if you're fearful if you don't know what you're doing um if you're scared of them like 
they absolutely pick up on that. And so a lot of times you, you really do have to be genuinely confident in order to succeed in working with a certain dog. And, uh, that is kind of a cool thing that came from all of this because that's an area I really need to work on in my life in general. But I feel like working with dogs has helped because you just have to be. (laughs) In the episode I did with my sister, um, young motherhood, (laughs) um, some of my friends who listened to it were like laughing and pointing out to me that throughout the whole episode, I just keep asking Amanda, like, but were you scared? Like when you decide to go to college in Texas, were you scared? When you decide to get married, like, were you scared? When you decide to have babies, were you scared? And I'm about to ask you, um, are you ever scared around dogs? Because like they are, they can like bite people and stuff sometimes. Like, are you ever scared? (laughs) Honestly, not anymore. No. Um, And that's also kind of a cool thing is that when I first started, there would be like occasional moments where if a dog was being weird or something, I would have that moment of like, are they gonna like, (laughs) what's, what's about to happen. But knowledge really has been power in, in like working with dogs. Like as soon as I, um, as soon as it started to click and I started to understand like how to read body language and after I'd been like observing dogs for a certain amount of time I'm never scared anymore because I totally know what the situation is like there's Mm -hmm. nothing really unpredictable because I can see what what the deal is with the dog and I know whether they're fine or not (laughs) like there are times that I think somebody who didn't know anything about dogs might look at a certain situation and be like oh god like that that dog is is gonna bite you or whatever and I can look at it and be like no they're actually not they're just trying to look scary but they're mm-hmm. not actually scary <laughs> and um yeah I I just realized that recently and that was kind of a cool thing to know that I'm really never scared anymore the only time I would be truly scared is if uh I was with a dog that was like extremely unpredictable but Uh, that does not happen that often. (laughs) Yeah. Are there ever times when you're like, oh, this dog isn't like this dog is getting really aggressive or is like stuff is about to go down? (laughs) That also, I mean, this is another thing kind of that I learned uh, that like helped me in a broader sense um, just from working with dogs is that uh, the whole thing about them being sensitive to your energy it's really true. And so like I've learned the skill of a lot of times a situation, if it were handled the wrong way would escalate. But if you remain calm and like act like everything's fine, the situation is completely fine and it doesn't escalate. And Mm -hmm. that has like, I've seen that work multiple times and that was really cool too. Like there are so many times that if you're just calm (laughs) and like, don't freak out it it solves itself and that's yeah it's kind of cool like I feel like that would work in real life too yeah I was gonna say that sounds very like Buddhist (laughs) or like yeah and it does I have had times actually a lot where I think about how learning to work with your own mind seems a lot like 
learning to work with dogs. Like, <laughs> um, I've been trying to practice meditating a lot more and I was doing that one day and I actually had the image of a little baby monkey and myself <laughs> just, just like kind of going crazy and me like just kind of holding the monkey to my chest and just like <laughs> stroking its little back and, and calming it down. Being like, Aww. it's okay, buddy. Like, as like thinking about my mind like that, you know? Oh, um, <laughs> like the monkey is your mind. Yeah. Like, cause they use Aww. the term monkey mind and, you know, like Buddhism and things like that. So, <laughs> but I do think like, it is really interesting the way that like just working with energy like that, like, yeah, and, it's and really cool. It is. That's so interesting. And something that's so difficult for me to like, it's easy for me to understand intellectually, but it's very hard for me to put into practice is understanding that ev no problem is improved by freaking out and <laughs> any problem it can only help to be calm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's very easy to understand, but difficult to, to really like practice and trust. But having that external representation <laughs> in the behavior of dogs, I feel like is a helpful metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I still can't do that in other areas of my life. Like <laughs> I freak out plenty in other areas of my life, but it is cool. Like I at least can see that, uh, that that would work if I tried it in other areas. But I also feel like you you are better at that than I think you give yourself credit for. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on the situation. But um, but yeah, I, I generally am somewhat calm, <laughs> I guess. You have a higher threshold than a lot of people for like certain things that would probably freak them out. That you're kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, well, that sucks, but... <laughs> I'm just like that. Whatever. I broke like down on the side I... of the road, and I have to wait for three hours by myself at 3 a.m. for AAA. <laughs> but meh, like my my friends and I were talking once about what would happen if if we lived in like a post-apocalyptic kind of situation, and uh, how what we would all bring to the table, and who <laughs> like who would um who would thrive and who would would be in tr in trouble, and they they were like. Um, Catherine would would outlive us all because she would just be like up in a tree just being like this is fine <laughs> it's like it's so true I can I can like live with so much <laughs> that's going <laughs> awry like I would just be like yeah this is fine I can live with this <laughs> yeah I feel like you have good perspective and I feel like you are a very like loyal strong friend when other people are going through tough things too like you're very good at just like being there for people and not really like batting an eyelash at what it's like requiring of you to be there, which is a very, thanks. very valuable thing. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks. So I'm, I'm interested to hear about what you've learned about other people through your experiences of like working in the kennel and dog training because when you're working with dogs, you're also working with the people that they live with, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like when yeah, you're, for sure. When you're training dogs, is the is the dog owner always present, or like are you training them as you're training the dogs? Yes, they're they are like a a big part of the lessons, um, which is what I like about the trainer I work with. Is it's not like people sending their dog away 
to a facility for, you know, like six weeks and getting like a well-trained dog returned to them. And that's it. It's, um, we work with the owners, with their dogs and teach them how to do the training as well so that they can practice, um, when we're not there and it kind of makes things more difficult, (laughs) but, uh, I think that it's the better way to do it, but it is, it has definitely taught me to be more patient because, uh, you know, you kind of have to be a teacher, mm-hmm. um, in that situation, you're teaching them to do the training as well. And you have to be gentle with people and you have to be patient with people. And, um, that can be hard. I've learned, <laughs> but, um, but people, it's really, it's really nice. Like people get so excited when they, you know, when they see progress and when they've done it themselves, um, they just get so excited and it's really nice to see. What are some common things that you, or common dynamics that you've observed with, like, are there things that come up very frequently with people that it's like, oh, so many people do this with their dog and that's actually like a huge mistake. (laughs) Yeah, so I would say probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is that people interact with their dogs sort of as if they're humans and not dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people genuinely forget a lot of the time that dogs don't speak English. (laughs) And uh, yeah, like without realizing it like people have the best of intentions but I think they kind of they try to sort of mold their dog to their lives and like in a way that serves them rather than always sort of serving the dog Mm -hmm. and like the way a dog interacts and exists like people talk to their dogs as if they're humans and then don't understand why their dogs don't understand them or aren't doing what they want and it's because they're not speaking dog language they're speaking human language and so that's like um that's why I I love training and and like teaching this stuff to people because once they start sort of speaking the same language as their dog it like falls into place for them and it kind of clicks and they're like oh okay (laughs) Um, but that's just kind of something that makes my eye twitch a lot is people like just sort of forgetting that dogs are dogs and they're not people. Yeah. I feel like there's so much, I I remember you telling me that people often get a certain breed of dog. That's just like so incompatible with their lifestyle. And, and it's so interesting. It's like, we, we do tend to just think of ourselves as so removed from the natural world and we don't in our culture anyway or you know like in 21st century U.S. culture typically um we don't have that much respect for like creation (laughs) for other Mm -hmm. creatures other than humans and we tend to just think we can like boss the planet around and yeah it's really interesting that you know you can see so clearly like incompatibilities with a certain type of dog and what they really need versus what people are offering them and that actually people have to do like a lot more shifting if they want to have a healthy relationship with their dog right like yeah Yeah, definitely 
yeah, that's that's a whole other rant that I could go on that we would not have enough time for. But just like <laughs> people not getting, yeah, people just being like, I think that dog's pretty, so that's what I'm gonna get, yeah. or like that dog's cute, so that's what I'm gonna get, and like you know, the number of times you see dogs getting returned to wherever they came from or being rehomed or getting like brought to rescues and stuff because people don't do their research. They don't like pick a dog that's suitable for their lifestyle. And then they don't understand why things aren't working out and why the dog isn't having an easy time and they're not having an easy time. And then they get rid of the dog and it, it kills me. But I, I try to, I'm trying to walk a line of now like seeing what I've seen and and working with dogs and stuff it it's very hard for me not to become that person that won't shut up about like you know like if my friend says that he's going to go to a pet store I'm just like oh don't even get me started and, like, <laughs> just ruin everybody's day by you know like ranting about pet stores for an hour but um I'm trying to just sort of calmly educate rather than be a total am I allowed to swear on this podcast <laughs> I can bleep it out <laughs> okay just being like a total about it basically <laughs> yeah and I mean like it's I mean we can blame we can blame capitalist patriarchal culture you know it's like individual people don't have bad intentions but we are marketed dogs like we're marketed anything else and dogs are produced yeah like mass yeah. produced right like we mass produce cans yep. of soup or whatever and and people think you know in a patriarchal way like i'm boss and this dog is gonna do what i you know live the life mm-hmm. that i determined for it so it's not individuals as much as it's the machine that we live in right just to <laughs> just to go Put on my little rant about capitalist <laughs> yeah. patriarchal culture <laughs> Yeah, totally valid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we just have to have more respect, I think. And like yeah, a, a respectful relationship with this living being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So when you were a kid, to 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 go back in time, um say when you were like 9 years old, did you think that you would be doing today what you're doing now? Um or, you know, what did, what did you think that you were going to be? when you grew up you know I don't really know if I had like one thing that I thought I wanted to be but I don't think I thought I would be doing this um for sure I yeah I never had that one thing I know that when I was younger (laughs) I collected rocks and so I said I wanted to be a geologist because I knew that (laughs) geologists worked with rocks (laughs) but beyond that um no, I don't think I really had anything like that, but I did not think that I would be doing this. Um, and I think that nine-year-old me would be very excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> very excited. <laughs> Cause this is kind of my dream life that I didn't even fully realize was my dream life mm. until I was older. So what do you think like your 19 year old self would think? Hmm, 19. I think I think I'd be really relieved mm-hmm. <laughs> to know 
that that was how things ended up because I think at 19 I I was in like complete turmoil (laughs) as to what I was doing and what was going on and where my life was going to end up and so yeah I think if I were able to tell my 19 year old self that this is what I'm doing now and that it's actually like going well (laughs) I think I would be extremely relieved and happy yeah yeah let's let's talk about college a little bit (laughs) yeah so um so yeah I for those listening um I always tell Victoria that thank God for her because I had a a really um kind of rough college journey and I always say like just at least I got you know my best friend out of it (laughs) because my god it was not an easy time at all and uh, that she was like the one good thing that sort of came out of my college experience let's just put it that way (laughs) and Um, I'll just say just like so you don't feel like you're totally on the spot with it like I felt like I I struggled in in different you know like different ways but I definitely struggled with college a lot too like I inter like socially emotionally I feel like I struggled and um, we found each other and that's a very good thing and I will yeah I mean it's I cherish that very much because yeah 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 I think I think a lot of people struggle with college and it's not like that's not um talked about I feel like enough because when I think about all of my friends um you know I think pretty much every single person I know had some real lows in college like real lows because it's just such a specific environment um and it's not for everyone and yeah I um I definitely was one of those people for sure (laughs) but um I I never really found my stride where I feel like some other people did but It just, uh, I never quite felt like, okay, like I've, things have fallen into place and I know what I'm doing now and I can succeed now. Um, I never really felt much clarity on what I wanted to do. And I had just a really hard time being a functional human being in college. And now that I'm out of it, I... I feel so much better about how my life is going. Um, But I went to college for psychology with the intention of, well, when I started, when I very first started, I truly had no idea what I was going to do. I dabbled in like technical theater because I loved theater and thought, well, I don't want to perform, but maybe I could like work backstage. And that did not, it turns out I did not enjoy that at all. (laughs) And then I, switched to English and then I decided that I wanted to do psychology with the intention of eventually becoming a counselor and um, that like felt kind of right to me at the time but I still wasn't happy doing what I was doing and wasn't like performing well or functioning properly and uh, was still having a really hard time and Um, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs in college. I took semesters off. I 
it was just kind of a long and tedious experience. But um, a couple years ago or a few years ago, I guess, I um, like when I was out of college, I spent a solid <laughs> year just sort of being frozen and stuck and still not really knowing how to proceed or what to do. And I kind of just spent a lot of time doing nothing and having way too much time to think about all of it. And um, I think at a certain point, I sort of hit, I guess, rock bottom (laughs) that I just didn't know where else to go from here. And that was the point at which it just sort of clicked for me. Like, it really did feel like an epiphany where I suddenly was just like, why am I not doing something that I love, like working with dogs? Um, Because I, the thought had entered my mind before, but I never, I never like realistically considered pursuing it because there was no way I was going to like stray that far off the path of what every single other person I knew was doing. And it kind of took like, a huge struggle of a college experience for me to land back in that place of like, um, actually, no, this is what I should have been doing from the start. And uh, I guess that was the lesson that I needed to learn in college. But um, I did have just what felt like a, a real epiphany of like, I have this thing that makes me extremely happy and that I actually think I could turn into a career career um so why shouldn't I just do it it's not like I have anything left to lose at this point and that was the point at which sort of my life my whole life changed once I made that decision and it's been completely different ever since then I remember too like at the end of high school and you and I I think we're not we were not rebellious types right like (laughs) no um and So it was kind of like, yeah, there's still this like path and this track and I'm going to get on it. Like it just didn't even occur to us (laughs) to not do that. And, and our friends were all very similar too, like very like good students, like high achieving, like this is what it means to be a good, hardworking, successful person is to continue on this track. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that that's partially, I don't know whose fault it is, but it's just that no other options were ever presented to me. And I think that that's kind of a problem. Like, cause I think that in that kind of environment where everybody feels sort of that they don't have a choice really in going that certain path, it was never presented to us to like, do anything other than go to a four-year college whereas I think there are probably a lot of people who would have been better suited to different sort of different types of options you know like associates degrees and things like that um and yeah that was not even on that was not even remotely on my radar (laughs) I never would have and I would have thought it was like I think that I would have thought doing anything else would have been a failure yeah and would have been yeah, like a bad choice and like worse somehow than anything else. And that 
is a really flawed way of thinking about it because like, it's not like going the route that I did really served me that well at the end of the day. It didn't. Yeah. Um, And it's like a lesson that I needed to learn, but I kind of, you know, it's too bad. I couldn't have learned that like four years previously. I kind of hate this question, but I also love it. (laughs) Um, I hate it because, well, hate's a strong word. The question of what would you say to your, you know, senior year of high school self? Like the question doesn't really make sense because obviously the path that you took is the exact path that was going to lead you right here. So yeah, that's true. But if you did have a chance to sit down with that self and you wanted to save her a little bit of suffering, (laughs) (laughs) like what, what do you think you would say? Wait, let me say that last part without slurring my words. (laughs) 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 I'm like, what do you you think you would say? I think I would say maybe don't go to, or I think I would say going to college, like a four-year university is a huge thing. It's a huge decision. It's a huge commitment. And it takes a lot of time and money and effort and work and care. And and you should probably sort of figure yourself out a little bit better before you decide whether you want to do that or give it, give it a shot. Um, Cause I think that, I don't know. I think that throwing an 18 year old who like, isn't good at, anything into that kind of environment (laughs) it like can really end poorly because I didn't have like the skills that I needed to work through what I needed to work through in college like I never you know I didn't really work on myself in college at all or I just was sort of like trudging through trying to get through it And uh, now when I look back, I just, um, I wish I had been more sort of mature and. uh, Like intentional. Yeah, intentional. And I wish I had like the perspective that I do now. (laughs) Um, It was basically just one huge life lesson for me. (laughs) But um, yeah, I would say. I would say that I, that's huge. And I also would say you don't have to go if you don't want to, <laughs> yeah. like, or you don't have to go if you don't think that go to that type of school, if you don't think that it's going to serve you in the long run. And if I truly understood that and like felt that at age 18, I might not have gone. Um, and, or if I, if I felt that there would be no consequences in trying what I wanted to try and sort of taking a different approach then I think I probably would have but I just didn't feel like that was an option for me did your mom push college a lot or like did she yeah would she have yeah. been very upset or disappointed or um if you had said I don't want to go I think yes, honestly. I think that she would have been 
really upset. Um, my family's definitely very, very, very pro. Like everyone should get a degree. You need to be educated. And, and I agree with that or not necessarily the degree part, but like, I understand why it's important for people to get an education and, and all of that. But, um, but yeah, no, I do think that it would not have been, that's why I said the thing about if there were no consequences, if I felt that there were no consequences to me trying something else, I probably would have because yeah, no, I would like, that would not have been okay with like anyone in my family to not go that route. Yeah. And I bring that up just cause that is a very real pressure, like, especially when you're 17, 18 and you're still very much, you know, living under someone on someone's roof, you know, with their Mm -hmm. rules or their expectations and their hopes for you. Like, especially I think you and I are very people pleasing. Yes. And the idea of letting down, you know, disappointing or upsetting someone so close to you. Um, that's, that's a really big obstacle. So I just bring that up to say that I think that is often, even for me now, I think it's very hard to not get caught up in what do the people around me want from me or expect from me, you know? Yeah. I'm starting to like put that aside a little bit. Actually, you'll appreciate this. Um, in therapy a couple days ago, um, my therapist said to me, my advice for you this week is to push the envelope and rub people the wrong way a little bit because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I was saying something about being like wanting to do something, but not wanting to upset someone or, or annoy someone. And like, that's a, 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 big theme for me and I loved her saying like maybe you should just rub people the wrong way a little bit (laughs) yeah I do really appreciate that because when you said that I immediately like tensed up (laughs) like the thought of rubbing people the wrong way immediately made me feel tense but what was funny was like hearing someone that I really like and respect and everything like give me that permission like I felt (laughs) relaxed kind of I was like oh sweet like you know what don't mind if I do (laughs) I'm gonna do me this week (laughs) it was like a really stupid thing too I was like worried about canceling a doctor's appointment 24 hours in advance like (laughs) they're gonna be Uh, mad at me (laughs) I know I understand the struggle yeah so anyway I appreciated that from her and I feel like I'm I've been keeping that, you know, close. Yeah. uh, Because I think it's important. I just saw um, Elizabeth Gilbert has a new novel coming out called City of Girls. And there's a quote from it. I think it's, you don't have to be a good girl to be a good person. Hmm. And I I was like, I should probably get that like tattooed. I'm not, I'm sure people will. (laughs) I'm not actually going to, but I'm sure they already have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I do think there's something pretty, like, I think men and women and everyone in between, you know, struggles with these things. But I think that people who are raised as girls 
um, come to adulthood with a very particular desire to please and disconnect yeah. from our our own desires for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's really true. <laughs> so how do you feel now? Like, how is your life different? And how is your sense of yourself different now that you are doing something that you love and that you feel like is right for you and that you're finally on a track that you really want to be on? Um, it's incredibly different now. My life now is so different from how it was five years ago. Um, and it's unbelievably better than it was five years ago. And it's just been really, really nice. Um, because, you know, I think that you and everyone else in my life has sort of seen me at probably my lowest, I think, um, which was sort of that period, um, you know, five plus years ago. And, um, I really wasn't that happy. (laughs) Like I wouldn't have said that at the time. Um, I don't think I ever would have said that. Like I always enjoyed the people around me and I loved my friends and, you know, there were things that I enjoyed about my life at the time. But when I look back, especially like I really was not happy. And now, um, now I really am for the most part. And it's so cool. Like actually I never thought that I would be one of those people that is doing what I love for a living. (laughs) Like, you know, the whole, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life thing. Like it's, it really is true. And I'm like living that life now. And, um, I guess if, and I know it's not realistic for most people, I feel really lucky that it just so happens that what I love and what I'm good at is something that I could turn into a career. And that isn't realistic for a lot of people. Um, there are not a lot of passions that necessarily translate into, careers that well um for people but if there is something that that make like truly brings you joy and makes you happy and that also happens to be something that you think you could turn into a career or you've been like considering doing but have been too scared to try or whatever I would say like really just go for it (laughs) because I am like a living testament to that that uh I finally just was like, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to give it my all and do it because if it works out, my life will be so much better than it is. And it did work out. And I think it it just took me making that decision to just go for it. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like I know what it feels like now to, sort of be a productive, like happy person who like everything I do in my day to day makes me happy and makes me feel productive. And, you know, I look forward to my day and what, what I'm going to do in a day. And that is crazy to me (laughs) based on, you know, how I used to feel and, um, what I thought my life was going to look like (laughs) when I was in school. Yeah, and like, you know what's something that's funny is I've noticed that to to dip back into my capitalist rant, like, I think (laughs) we often tend to use 
and I don't, I'm not trying to pick on your use of this word, but I feel like we all, like a lot of us tend to use productivity as like the metric of like, I feel productive today. Like I'm useful, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's also like a meaning thing, like having meaning and having a positive impact and finding meaning in your life. Um, Yeah, it's really true. And I never felt that way before either. And, and yeah, now I just, I kind of know what that feels like now. I think the fact that you spend so much time connecting to other people and to, to dogs, to other living creatures, sounds like a really healthy way to be spending your time because that can bring a lot of joy, right? Yeah. And that's a word that I've thought about a lot and used a lot when I've talked about working with dogs and it really is like the only word is I truly feel joy like Mm. multiple times a day when I work with dogs and that is really like I didn't even fully (laughs) like that finally clicked for me while I was working at the kennel and I noticed that I was like spending a lot of time like laughing and smiling and feeling like warm and fuzzy and just like truly feeling joy and uh I had nothing else in life has really made me feel that way so consistently Mm. Um, and so I just feel really lucky to be doing something for a living that makes me feel that way so often yeah (laughs) because I when I thought I was going to be a counselor like I still in in another universe like I I could have become a counselor and I do think that I would have been a pretty good counselor and I think I would have liked my job maybe. I think that it would have at least been fulfilling in some way, but it would not have brought me the kind of joy that I feel Mm -hmm. doing this at all. Um, And the fact that I am in a position where I can uh, make a career out of doing this, like I'm definitely going to do that a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Not everyone even has like one passion that, that like you said, translates into like a career, but it just makes me think about what ways can we try to look for joy or create joy in our lives every day. Even if, even if, you know, like, like a lot of the time at my job, I'm sitting at a computer, like, you know, (laughs) at a desk. Um, But like, there are always opportunities to create some of that joy so yeah just makes me think about it's inspiring to me to think about like just looking for ways to cultivate that and and it's inspiring to me to think more creatively about just life and like maybe there are things that I could be more adventurous like a little bit braver about (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so thank you for that Oh, thank you. My standard last question is, what's something that you're learning about or growing into right now? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to need to take a pause Thro- to think throwing about you this. you for a little loop. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be related to anything we just talked about. Like, it could just be anything that you've just recently been, like, pondering or wondering about or, like, feeling like you're some growing pains around or like in a positive way, but just something that you're feeling out right now. For me, this is more a growing into I've 
lived alone a lot and spent a lot of time alone. And uh, I've never really had a problem with it. I've always been, I've sort of thrived alone, but lately I've sort of had a harder time. Um, You know, like a lot of, most of my friends have moved to other parts of the country now and I've kind of just been doing my own thing um, with the dogs and um, I'm so busy that I don't notice it a lot because I'm doing other things but lately I've had kind of a harder time with feeling lonely and wishing I had more people around me Mm. and so I'm kind of struggling with that and trying to figure out ways to navigate it both both with like trying to I think that part of why I had been feeling a little bit lonelier than usual is that I think I kind of had created more distance from the relationships in my life than previously because I've been working a lot and I've sort of been in this little bubble and I kind of realized that I don't think I've been like nurturing my relationships well enough (laughs) and so I've kind of been thinking about that a lot and thinking about how to work on that and then also been thinking about what it means to try and like find community or build community in some way and I really haven't figured that one out yet (laughs) but um, I've realized kind of what I feel like I'm missing in my life right now is community because I have individual friendships and I have nice friendships and I have people all over the place that I love, but I don't really feel that I have community right now. And it is something that I would like to have. And so I kind of have been thinking about that. And um, I told you that I made like one new friend, which was what I wanted for myself this year. Mm -hmm. And normally my instinct if I like meet someone that seems cool or nice is to just be like oh they wouldn't want to be friends with me anyway (laughs) and I just kind of like withdraw and just like completely leave the ball in their court and then usually it just ends there (laughs) and I I think I'm finally starting to understand that you have to create these things yourself sometimes and you can't just like wait for things to happen and so like you know when I did meet one person that I thought was really cool rather than just being like oh no it's fine and like running away and not doing anything about it I made sure that I continued to reach out to that person and be like hey do you want to hang out hey do you want to do this and that was so hard for me because I whenever I do that I immediately feel like I'm being annoying um but I I powered through and I did it anyway and it worked. (laughs) I feel like I, like I made a friend out of it and, um, that kind of, I'm going to keep working on doing that. (laughs) That was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful response. (laughs) Oh, gee, thanks. (laughs) And you're a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. No, I, I really think that a lot of people share that experience. Like I just read somewhere in some article that like most people hit their peak of making friendships at like 23 or something. And then we all just like struggle. Um, I don't think it has to be that way. And I don't think it's that way for everyone. And and I wonder if our generation might, you know, like 
really work at this because I do think that we feel that loneliness even even more in a world where just like on a day-to-day basis, we're more disconnected because we're like in our phones and stuff. Not to sound all like, there's so much texting and no communication. <laughs> but like, no, I, know. I do think we're all feeling that a little bit. And I do think that, yeah, like, and it's also, I think a lot of people our age, like in our late 20s now, like I had that, it's like a, like my version of like the biological clock thing is what you're saying. Like the, hmm, I want community. Like I want to go to a town meeting. Like <laughs> where does my food come from? Like um, who are the people next door? Um, so I think you're speaking to something that a lot of people feel and I, I feel it. And I think what you just said is so beautiful about actually like being, being the person that you want to come into your life, the person that reaches out and, and really goes for it and cultivates a friendship. Um, Yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, seriously. I, I have to get the only way I can get up the courage to do stuff like that is get really existential about it and just be (laughs) like, are you really going to (laughs) waste your one chance on this earth by like (laughs) hiding in your house and not like making new friends because you're scared? And then I'm usually like, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll text them. (laughs) That's the only way. Cause it's true. Like, I don't want to let fear and like, yeah, fear of what other people think, uh, hold me back from, from that kind of community and happiness. It's starting to just really start to sink in with me that like no one cares what I do with my life (laughs) so I should just do what I want (laughs) I still need to kind of learn that lesson too I mean it's just starting to like prick the surface you know but it sounds like you are I mean honestly you've taken yeah it has pricked the surface for sure but it is really hard yeah well I really miss you and I hope we can see each other soon and spend I know I miss you too soon especially because the last time we saw each other a couple months ago I got horrific food poisoning (laughs) and spent the Uh, vast majority of our time together in the bathroom so (laughs) yeah the universe really was not working in our favor no that day well thank you for putting that show on and reading aloud to me from the book (laughs) of Huga. Um, yeah. and pretending like you um, couldn't hear whatever sounds were coming out of the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. I did pretend. And I love you. <laughs> I love you too. What percentage are you at? I'm at 3%. Sweet. We did it. So we really, we really nailed this. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.
I'm going to edit all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. So. Yeah. Please, like, also pointless. don't wait for me to tell you what to edit out. You can also feel oh, free yeah. to just edit out anything of mine <laughs> that is weird and awkward. You sound great. You're doing a perfect, great job. 